Welcome to the Unleash Your Voice podcast. I'm your host, Danielle Driuso, performer and creator by nature, voice specialist and leadership coach by day. And I work with entrepreneurs all over the world to help them unleash their voice and step into the leader that they were destined to be. This podcast is an unfiltered look at what it takes to truly own who you are as a leader, unleash your voice, and get your message to the masses. Are you ready to turn up the volume on your dreams, your desires, and your income? Sweet. Let's get started. Hello, hello, my beautiful humans. I'm so excited to bring you my next guest. She is not only an international speaker, influencer, member of the Forbes Coaches Council, host of the Facebook group, Millennial Go-Getters. If you're not in it, you should be. (laughs) She specializes in digital marketing, copywriting, sales funnels, personal branding, and she is amazing. We connected instantly, and she also takes a no BS approach to breaking through major barriers and reaching accelerated success for her clients. Like She is a next level babe. I'm so excited to bring you her. And we had a really in-depth conversation about what it is to like deal with those slumps and deal with those, you know, downtimes. And if you're struggling right now, you're going to love the F out of this episode. I really wanted to talk about this because it's really important to know that people go through these types of ups and downs, and it's a really crucial part to entrepreneurship. And it's really incredible what Lena has to say about everything that has to do with the ups and downs of her own personal business. And I think we can get into this moment where we're like, everyone has everything together and I'm the only one who is struggling. And this episode is going to blow that out of the water, but also give you the tips and tools that you need to come out the other side even stronger and really own the F out of who you are, own your personal brand, get even more clear on who you're here to serve and really accelerate your growth. So I'm so excited. Without further ado, here is Lena Alcom. So thank you so much for being on the show. I'm actually so, so, so excited to talk to you. Thank you. I know. I'm so excited to be here. It's going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be so much fun. Okay. So tell us a little bit about your background, what you do for people who might not know who you are. Yeah, for sure. So I grew up in the San Francisco Bay Area in a very traditional family, parents who work nine to five jobs. I never knew entrepreneurs. And the reason why I feel me to say that is because I think a lot of entrepreneurs show up and they're like, oh, I knew I was going to be an entrepreneur from when I was Mm -hmm. three years old. I was selling lemonade or baseball cards or whatever. Or they have this story that's like, when I came out of the womb, I was selling my placenta like three bucks a pound and I created this entire empire. Like, yeah. Yeah. I'm like, who are those people? That was definitely (laughs) not me. Um, I was not at all exposed to doing anything creative by any means. And in fact, my whole life, I was like pretty average. Like I'm okay with admitting that, you know, I was kind of like, okay, in school. I was okay. I never excelled. There were no signs, but anyway, went to high school, went to college, and then came the time to graduate college. And at that time, everybody in my class who was graduating was suddenly looking for their entry-level jobs, was suddenly looking for internships. And it was just so clear that it was a nightmare. It was not enjoyable for people. Mm. Suddenly, no one was able to get these jobs. Nobody felt like they were able to do something Mm. that was fulfilling. And in fact, I'll say that most of my friends who I went to college with ended up moving back in with their parents, right? And that was just so unappealing to me. And I just had a deep-rooted feeling that this isn't for me. There's something else for me out Mm. there. So at the time, my younger sister was actually living in Israel. 
And so from the West Coast, I was like, I'm just going to go to Israel and hang out with my sister and, you know, see if I can build a life there. And Tel Aviv is such a cool city, uh, you know, the main city in Tel Aviv mm. and that or in Israel and that it's like so entrepreneurial. Everyone has a startup. It's gorgeous. It's on the beach. It's like very tropical and amazing. So I thought, why not? I'll go and I'll try to get a job and see what happens. Mm -hmm. So I moved to Israel and not only did I not know anyone and not speak the language and not have any of these skills, right? But one, I moved there in the middle of a war and which was a lot, which is like a wow. whole story within itself. And second of all, um, I couldn't even afford to pay rent because I was like this broke recent college grad. And so I lived in an immigrant absorption center, um, like outside of a city where I could even afford it's like subsidized housing. They teach you Hebrew skills, whatever. So I moved to this absorption center, which is like, I don't know if I'm allowed to say it. it's like the shittiest place in the world. Like if you're wondering <laughs> what is an immigrant absorption center, like it's just as bad as it sounds. Okay. Wow. So moved there, couldn't get any jobs. Again, didn't have Hebrew skills, didn't have any of this. The only job I could get was at a grocery store down the street. So I got a job at the grocery store, figured I would learn some Hebrew, try to figure this out. Um, of course, got paid minimum wage. And it just became very, very clear to me that, okay, Lena, here are your options. Not only is it hard enough as a college grad to find a job that's fulfilling for you, but um, you're not trying to do it where you don't have any connections, don't speak the language, all these things. So luckily from there, I was able to transition out and I got a job in a nonprofit um, being like the social media manager. And the truth is that, did I know anything about social media marketing? No, but they're like, you're a millennial. You know how to use it. <laughs> you're a millennial. You know what I mean? Like, well, just hire her. So fine. I got this job. Um, and again, it was very apparent to me very early on. This whole nine to five thing was not for me. Like I hated having a boss. I hated making a, you know, a, low, a small paycheck. I hated commuting, like all these little things. And most people say, it's just what we do. It's just like what you, it's what adulting is. For me, I knew that that was absolutely not the case. And if there was any time to start my own business, it should be now a time when I'm 22 years old. I am not married yet. I don't have children yet. I don't have a mortgage to pay. Like all these bigger responsibilities to come on. If there's any time to screw up and embarrass myself and whatever. Yeah. Now so at the time I had a really good friend um, in Tel Aviv, another expat living there who had his own digital marketing consultancy and just through our friendship, I started to learn from him. He kind of took me under his wing like a little sister. And from there, I kind of started learning the ropes of, okay, how do you bring on clients? How do you serve them at a level that you know they need? Um, all that kind of stuff. And so then about two months after that, I just quit my job and I decided to open my own digital marketing consultancy. And it's so interesting. Like the question that most people ask me is like, weren't you scared? You didn't even really know anything about digital marketing. And you're right. I didn't know that much. But the truth is that I knew more than the people that I wanted to help. Right. Yeah. And at the time I had to get clear on who did I want to serve? Who did I want to help? And then I realized that there was this huge niche right in front of me, which was Tel Aviv startups. Cause the reality is there are so many of these startups in Israel that are targeting American, you know, target markets. But guess what? They don't speak English. Yeah. So not only was like, did I come from like, you know, writing and everything, a writing background, I spoke native English. And so it was easy for me to get a lot of clients from the get go. Um, but what's so interesting is that I didn't feel the need to be the best at whatever it is that I was doing right when I got started, right? I just wanted to jump in with two feet and know that I don't have to be the best. I just have to be half a step ahead of the people that I'm serving. Um, and so very quickly after that, got the digital marketing agency off the ground. It did very, very well. Um, and about a year in, it was amazing. We're making a lot of money and I was so overwhelmed and miserable. I had like a million clients. It was just so uh, too much. And yes, I had my own business, but I didn't feel like I was free. I feel like I was mm -hmm. attached to my computer and it was awful. So at that time, a lot of other people around our age started coming to me and saying, 
Lena, like, I also want to quit my job. How did you do that? How did you start your own business? Mm -hmm. I want to learn that skill set. And that's when I realized that this is a new skill that I have. I know how to build businesses quickly. So that's when I transitioned into coaching. And that was three years ago now. And that's what I do now. I teach young, ambitious entrepreneurs how to build businesses that they love. That's so amazing. Yeah. And I'm still here. I'm still in Tel Aviv. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) That's so awesome. And I love what you said about not feeling like you had to be the best. So I have a question for you because I think this is a lot of people have a lot lot of pressure on them that it's like, oh, the comparisonitis. Like I have my own opinions on it, but because I don't believe that competition is a thing and people can really like truly like be in direct competition with each other. Like everyone has their own people. So what is the experience for you like going from there? Because I feel like when we're, we're new, it's like, oh, whatever. I'm just figuring it out as I go. And then you get to a certain place where you build a reputation. And how do you combat that? Oh, now I'm, I'm one of these leaders. Now I feel comparison. Now I feel like that pressure to be the best. Yeah. Yeah, that's a super good question. And you're so right that so many people get caught up in that comparative itis and that's what holds them back. Like mm-hmm. that's the thing they think that they can't stand out. But first and foremost, I'm such a big believer that there are, that there are lots of people that are already doing what, you want, that what you're trying to be doing. That's a huge sign that you're doing something right. That means that the business idea that you're pursuing is already validated. It's proof. People are already paying for these services or, or products or whatever versus people who show up and they're like, I have the first of its kind, whatever. It's going to be a hell of a lot harder to prove that idea than it is something that's already been proven. So, so that's first and foremost. It's a good sign if there's competition, quote unquote. Yeah, right? yeah. Um, second of all, like you said, there's no such thing as competition. And I think that's what's so cool about building a business in 2018. We're in this really, really special time where people don't no longer buy products and services and they don't relate to products and services. People relate to people, right? Mm-hmm. And so the, I, I know the people who show up and decide to work in, in my programs, it's not necessarily because of everything that I teach, right? Although that's a part of it. It's because they connect with me and my story and, and my personality and whatever it is, right? And that's what everyone who's listening to this needs to realize is, there's no competition for you because there's only one you. And there are people out there right now who need you specifically. They're going to connect with your personality, your values, your sense of humor, all that stuff. And so when you think of it like that, there really is no competition. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Um, So that's massive. And I think that the third part to that is, you know, as they say, the riches are in the niches, right? So I think that one of the biggest things that people see when they show up and they're like, there's too much competition. I feel like I can't stand out. It's probably because you're not clear enough on who you're targeting. So, and it's not niche down enough. So for me, for example, like with the Tel Aviv startups example, there weren't that many American English speaking copywriters or content writers um, showing up on the Tel Aviv startup scene saying, hey, you can hire me, right? It was so niche down. Um, Mm -hmm. And so you have to get really, really clear on who is the one person who you're trying to serve and why is that person going to connect to you? And once you can identify that and create your whole marketing strategy and messaging, specifically like a giant love letter to that one person, Mm -hmm. they're going to show up and they're going to be like, I've been looking for you. And then the competition is clearly Mm -hmm. just non-existent, you know? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's so good. And really when, when it came to your business, can you walk me through like, when it really started to grow and like when it really started to boom and that kind of progression to where you are today. Totally. You want me to speak more about my coaching business or about like when I about first your coaching first. business, like right when you were like, okay, cool. I want to try something else that a lot of people are doing quote unquote, like whatever. I feel like when you're in the coaching world, you see like all these coaches and you're like, there's a million of them. Right. But then when you're not and you go, I was like, 
everyday society, no one knows what a coach is. So it's like, yeah, isn't that so weird? It's that so is, funny. Yeah. Like it's so, I could be speaking to two different people and how I explain what I do is going to sound completely different because some people just like don't connect to it at all. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. So that's a really great question. So, okay. So I decided to shut down the digital marketing consultancy, although it was doing very well, it wasn't sustainable anymore. And so mm-hmm. I fired all my clients, like all in one week. And I decided, okay, where do I go from here? The first step that I took, because at that point I had really kind of understood the value of social proof of having good testimonials on your belt. I started doing two core things in order to develop that. First and foremost, I started identifying some millennials who had come to me trying to build their own businesses. And I just started kind of coaching them for free just to get mm-hmm. the experience mm-hmm. and just to get the testimonials under my belt. So that, that was really, really massive in the beginning. Not necessarily offering free, you know, full-blown coaching packages. Yeah, but like yeah. An hour here, totally doable for me. Great conversation, great practice, amazing testimonial. Um, so that was the first thing that I did. And the second thing I did is I started to write for various publications. Um, so... Again, I wasn't focused on being the greatest of the greatest. At this time, I wasn't, I didn't care about like getting into Forbes or entrepreneur or anything Mm -hmm. like that. I would take like the lowest level publications. I don't care. I want to be featured there. And what was so interesting is like, for example, I remember when I got my first ever piece uh, featured in social media today. Nobody reads social media today unless they're like (laughs) in the social media marketing world. It's so niche and they don't even have such a huge audience. That one article has gotten me more clients and more traffic than any article that I've ever written for Forbes or Entrepreneur or anywhere else. So just to show you guys, you don't have to get into the biggest and greatest publications in order to get in front of the right people, right? Mm. So I started writing for various low, you know, small, small places. And that really helped me as well. And then I think the third element that I started doing was joining relevant Facebook groups with other coaches to start learning, to start connecting with other people mm-hmm. in the space. That was really massive to kind of build up that network and that community of people who could really lean on one, uh, one another. Um, from that, oh, and this is interesting. I completely forgot about that. So, so at this point, I had come up with a few courses and I was selling a few courses on the side on digital marketing, but it became clear the money is in the coaching, right? That's what I need mm-hmm. to be focusing my energy on. So I hired my first coach very early on, like a few months in. Mm-hmm. I hired a coach um, who could help me get my business off the ground, help me get the visibility I needed, and it transformed my business. So from there, I was able to get clients very easily. It grew and grew and grew. One thing kind of led to the next. One publication led to the first speaking opportunity, led to the first you know, big collaboration, whatever it is, until things just grew and grew and grew. Simultaneously, I had a Facebook group. I still have it. Um, yeah. Yeah, which is awesome. Um, and so that continued to grow. Instagram continued to grow. And uh, that was kind of the evolution. And, and obviously, like today, our business looks very, very different than it did, you know, that many years ago. Yeah. Now we have a team and we have other coaches on our team um, outside from myself. Um, so, yeah, that's kind of what it looks like today. But it's been mm-hmm. quite the ride. It's been yeah. a long time. That's know, amazing. Um, and when, it, when you first got started with doing publications, like, I feel like so many people feel so overwhelmed when it comes to like, speaking opportunities or things like that. Like what was your mindset when you first kind of went out there? Like I'm a very big, if it's not given to you, build it yourself type of person. So like, I'm like, okay, let's figure it out. Like who can I talk to? Like, I'm just going to put myself out there. No one responds. Cool. Like whatever. Um, what was that for you? Like, what was that energy for you going in being like, no one technically knows who I am, quote unquote or whatever. Like no one knows who I am how can I start to get my stuff out there? 
Yes. Um, I love that. I'm the exact same way. It's like this idea of, you know, leap and then the net appears, you know, act and then kind of figure it out along the way versus planning and strategizing and worrying, worrying and stressing and then going into it. You know, they say, by the way, guys, if, if you're not embarrassed by your, the first product you ever launched, then you waited too long to launch. Mm-hmm. Right. So like the first thing that you put out there, it's not about the perfection. It's about the execution. That's it. Like that's yeah. what wins in entrepreneurship. You know, um, I feel like in school we were raised to believe, Oh no, it's all about like, the perfection and the grades and whatever real life and building a business is not like that. It's what I've discovered. Um, you have to move quickly, even when you don't know exactly what you're doing, but it works out. So mm-hmm. in the beginning, um, I was really not worried about comparativeitis. I, and I also realized that I didn't have to be the greatest writer in the world in order to get into these publications because I started studying and doing some market research and I would read through places like social media today and all these different outlets. And I saw that like a lot of these articles are not that well written and they're not that informative. And like, it just kind of became apparent to me that you don't have to be the greatest in order to get in. Right. But with that said, I started doing my market research. So for example, just rolling with a social media today idea, I started identifying what are the big trending topics on this publication right now? Mm -hmm. What are people writing about? Because Mm -hmm. I really tried to put myself into the mindset of the editors and thinking, what do they want from me? Let's think about it. An average editor receives hundreds of submissions every single day. So what do they want? Let's make their job easy because in the ideal world, they want to copy and paste an article. That's what they want, right? They don't want to go back and forth and deal with the editing and the, no, they don't have time for that. So I started identifying, well, what are they already publishing? What's already working for them? And to take it even a step further, what's kind of like the word length on average? You'll see that there's patterns in every single publication you read. How many words there are on average in each article? What's the structure? Is it more long form? Is it listicle style? What are the big keywords that they're using a lot? How many hyperlinks do they have back in each article to other articles on social media today? It's almost identical when you really study it. Mm-hmm. And that makes it so easy to craft a perfect piece for that publication. And this is for any publication, high level or low level, that if you can say, okay, this is a topic that's really trending right now. This is how I could put my own spin and my own perspective and my own you know, expertise into it. I'm going to structure it the same way. I'm going to include hyperlinks back to social media today articles. I'm going to submit it 9.5 times out of 10. It's going to get published. Like that's it. Mm -hmm. Um, So so it really is that easy. And sure, it's kind of tedious, like doing all the little steps, but it makes a huge difference. Um, And I think a big trick that I also realized early on, never submit things like on the publication when it says like submit an article here and here's my little entry form. I, I have, there's no basis for this theory, but I have this theory that like <laughs> those messages go to like a black hole that nobody ever yeah. actually reads. It's so much more powerful to find the actual editor's email addresses when you, which you can do when you want to get like creepy and stalkery, you can do it. Mm-hmm. Find their emails, email them directly. It's going to make all the difference in the world. Um, so I just started doing that from the beginning, rinsing and repeating that strategy as I started working my way up. And now, you know, we're Uh, members of the Forbes Coaches Council. We've been featured in Forbes tons of times, Entrepreneur, Success Magazine, like all the places that, you know, three years ago, we would have never imagined that this would happen. Um, So it works. But the the, the main idea is that like, dish the comparative itis. Who cares what anybody else is doing? This strategy works. So apply it to yourself (laughs) and your own business and and that's it, you know? I love that. When in doubt, track them down, get creepy, and just (laughs) message them directly. (laughs) It's true. Marketing one-on-one. Stop the hell out of editors and and go from there. (laughs) And then make sure that they get your stuff. It's so funny because I heard someone just locally at a a local magazine, I went to a workshop with her and she was talking about the same thing where she's like, we get a million submissions like every single day. And the biggest thing that you can do is like follow up with us, number one. Number two, like 
message me directly. Yeah. Like just don't just throw applications out. And number three, like actually let us know that you care about our publication, not just you're just like throwing the same thing everywhere so that you can get featured. Exactly. Exactly. That's massive. And that's also what's important to remember is like, they're not necessarily ignoring you. They just haven't seen your email because they're receiving Mm -hmm. thousands. And I swear, like having worked with a lot of editors now at a lot of massive publications, guys, it is a hot mess behind the scenes. You would think they would have their stuff together, but they do not. (laughs) There's like no organization. It's totally like old school media operated. So trust, they're not ignoring you. They just haven't seen your article. And so what I always like to recommend and what a lot of people either forget to do, but Okay, so a lot of people will pitch the email. If they don't get a response, they'll either ignore it and be like, okay, whatever, they don't want it. Not necessarily true. Or what they'll do is they'll say like, re, like, why didn't you get back to me? Or still waiting for you to get back to me. I can come a little bit like naggy, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, so don't do that. Instead, we recommend, you know, give them the benefit of the doubt that they just haven't read your article. And so send a brand new email, brand new, same email. You can copy and paste it, but as if they've never seen the first one. So no like weird follow-up brand new, mm. you're much more likely to get a response then. So it's not like a, why didn't you text me back? Exactly. <laughs> it's like, it's exactly. like, hey, what's up? Yeah. That's yeah. so good. Did you ever feel like, we were talking about this before I clicked record, but did you ever feel a lull? Because a lot of people, we were talking about like the summer months mm-hmm. and I, you had a really good perspective of it where it's like, everyone calm down. Everyone's going to be okay. Summer. <laughs> like yeah. things tend to dip. But did you ever feel in your business, one point we were like, holy fuck, can this work? Like, is this going to work for me? Is this going to like, do you ever get to a point where it got so low or you hit a really big dip or maybe you took a really big risk and you were like, oh dear God, <laughs> like net, please appear. Yes, 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 yes. Wow. Um, a million times over, more times amazing. than I can count. Yeah. Um, but, but what's amazing is that we, every single one of those experiences, we not only recovered from, but it was a massive learning experience. And we were able to grow so much more because of those experiences. Um, but yes, let's, let's think. Okay. First, when I decided to transition, um, so when I transitioned out of my full-time job and I started to launch my business, there were in the first few months, I just remember I was starting to take on clients, but I was still struggling. Um, and I just like sat in this pancake restaurant and cried. And like, and like and sitting in my pajamas and my poor boy, now husband at the time, I don't know why he stayed with me, but with my boyfriend at the time, I was just like, what is wrong with you? I was just like sobbing in my pajamas with a plate of pancakes. And I was like, I don't know what the hell I'm doing. Who would want to buy from me? Who's actually going to get results from me? Am I good enough for this? Am I old enough for this? Because being 22 years old and then yeah. a lot of my clients at the time were like in their 40s, 50s, got a lot of shit for that, you know? Um, am I good enough for this? I don't know if I can do this. So that was a big down hill moment for me. Um, but that experience gave me so many realizations because I was able to sit down and really process it, journal about it. I gained a lot of clarity about, okay, these are my next moves. And I think that that's the biggest mindset shift that we can all make. It's like when we fail or when we're in these like failing moments of wondering, I don't, I'm like out of cash flow or I don't have any clients or whatever. It's so temporary. Business goes in cycles. It's ups and downs. Okay. Um, and it's not always going to be predictable. And if you can't learn to roll with those ups and downs and not um, like totally define yourself and judge yourself based on those experiences, you're going to be completely fine. But the truth, it makes sense because we were kind of raised to believe that like everything in life is predicted. Everything in life is laid out for us. We go to the classes that are given to us. We go to the office that was given to us. Entrepreneurship, it's not like that. It, it's, not, it's not always predictable, but there's mm-hmm. nothing wrong with that. It's not a sign that you're doing anything wrong. If anything, it's a sign that maybe you need to 
Take a look at your business. Take a look at who you're targeting. Make some pivots. Maybe implement some new marketing strategies. And it, it's always going to go back up. It's always, always, always going to go back up. Um, and there are tons of things that I that you can do in order to kind of like put a shock to the system, you know, and to kind of like get that jolt. Um, it's so funny. I was just like working on a, a webinar slide today that I'm going to be doing soon on like for the people who are in a summer lull and feeling mm-hmm. like, what is going on? What are like three shock, you know, like uh, quick strategies to get your people to take action, you know, to get back into your programs. Um, That's so good. When but, is that going to be? Can I throw that in the show notes for anyone who wants to be a part of it? You can totally throw that in the show notes if I can remember. I think that it's on um, August. It's August 12th. August oh, 12th yeah. Saturday at 10 a.m. Pacific. Amazing. We'll throw it in. Yeah, grab you the <laughs> link and yeah, we'll put it in the show notes because I think that'll be a really good resource for people who, number one, want to hear more about your beautiful brain because this is a beautiful <laughs> conversation. I'm so excited. Um, but also just to really get that um, reassurance, I guess, right. that people need to be like, hey guys, you're not alone. I feel like so many people, and I've been through this too, where it's like, oh my God, I'm alone in this. Like all of a sudden yeah. I've done something that is now so far gone that now I am alone. And it's like, no, someone definitely, especially in the entrepreneurial community, will have dealt with that. Probably maybe worse or maybe not as bad. And it's going to be okay. Like people survive. And if you let it define you, that's when people fall away, right? Exactly, exactly. I'm so happy that you said that because I think that the most massive way that I've been able to get out of those lulls is simply by leaning on my community and my network. And I remember when I first started my business, I was so lonely because at that point I didn't really have any like entrepreneurial friends or mentors or coaches or anything. And I was just kind of figuring this out as I went along. But once I was able to develop not only like biz besties and people who I felt really close with in the space, but also I started hiring coaches, which is a major risk, by the way. A lot mm-hmm. of people are, that's a huge risk that people are like, I'm, this is too much. I'm too scared to do this. It will transform your business. I promise you guys. And just even having that person to go to and talk to when you're feeling down. And I guarantee that person will be like, I've been there <laughs> times 10. And that just brings so much comfort. And that person will also be able to give you a lot of perspective and clarity on like, here's what's really going on. Here are your next steps, you know? So figuring that out alone is really, really challenging. So don't do it alone. You're not alone. There are so many people out there who are here to help you, you know? So Mm. take advantage of that. Yes. And that is so true. And it's like, some people can feel very intimidated by hiring a mentor and stuff like that. But I truly believe that, and I would love to hear your opinion on this because I strongly believe like hire someone that you're so connected with that it's like they get you, but they also can break it down in a really good way. Like I hire my mentors in a way that I feel like a lot of people don't talk about. Like I'm like, do I like them? Number one. Do I trust them? Number one. Do I feel connected to them? Like number three, like it, is it something that I feel I get what they say? And when I right. hire from a place like that, it, like it always works out. It has to work out. It's just, it is my next move where I feel like a lot of people are so obsessed, especially right now. I don't know if you see it, but like topping someone like, Oh, I, I mm. connect to this mentor, but I'm going to hire their mentor. And it's like, right. but does that make sense? Because you don't know what they're working on together. Like you have right. to hire, you have to turn inward. And the more that you turn inward, the less you're going to be like obsessed with what everyone else is doing. Exactly. Exactly. And that's, that's what we were talking about before that. Like, as we build our own businesses, people are going to connect with your personality and exactly yeah. what you said, every single coach and mentor I've hired first and foremost, could I chill with them? You know, could yeah. I go like, 
drink with them or whatever, you know, like it wouldn't be fun. That's like a big, big, big thing for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've also hired mentors who, on the other hand, maybe I didn't really connect with personality wise, but I really, really thought that they would be a good fit skill wise. And I thought that mm-hmm. I'd be able to learn a lot from them, but it didn't matter. And I could, because I, because our personality so didn't click, I wasn't able to digest the information and trust their advice as much as I would otherwise. So yeah, yeah first and foremost, it, it, it comes down to the personality hands down. And what's so cool is like, once your branding is clear and once who you're speaking to is so clear, the perfect people just start coming to you. And like everybody who's in my program right now, even though I target, you know, we, we work with both men and women, yeah. almost all of them are women. And they're like women who I swear I like are like my sisters. Like, I feel like they would be my best friend. We've never actually met in person because people are all around the world, but you know, it's like people, the right people just naturally gravitate toward each other. It's natural. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's massive. So yeah, I completely agree. Amazing. And what would you say to someone without giving all your secrets away to all my listeners? <laughs> what would you give someone advice on, on niching down and branding? Like, what was that for you? I think like personal experience is probably going to be like a really beautiful way to hear this, but what was that for you to go from the place of crying the pancakes, if you want, or wherever that was for you, yeah. where it wasn't necessarily clear to oh my God, this branding is so clear. This, this, everything is so clear. What was that for you? And what could be like someone's first step? Cause it yeah, is a process, sure. right? For sure. For sure. I think it's first getting clear on what personality traits you tend to vibe with to begin with. Um, and when I worked in my first business, like I said, most of my clients were men in their forties and fifties who were building startups. Totally awesome. Good for them but it wasn't a natural click. And I think that you also respected me less because I was young and whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, so I found myself day in and day out doing the work for my clients, but like dreading it, you know, it was like minute by minute was just ticking by, but so slowly. And it was just so miserable. So I had to start paying attention and really tuning in to the things that I did that brought me minute to minute joy in my days. Oh, and I, I like found, that. Yeah. Thanks. Mm-hmm. And so, so one of those things that I really discovered was just having these conversations with other millennials and like really connecting them, connecting with them about how we were raised, these journeys that were kind of like set out for us and kind of how we're trying to live these less traditional paths now and how can we build businesses that we love. Like those were conversations that got me really, really fired up. Um, And also being able to help so many of my close friends quit their jobs and build businesses. Like it was just so cool. Like all in within six months, a bunch of my really close girlfriends like quit their jobs, started building businesses that they loved. And that just... Brought, mm. and, and when I did have conversations like that, the time flew by like that. So I think mm. that that's the first thing is understanding like, what do you sit down to do or, or do whatever that just the time flies by. It's just minute to minute, pure enjoyment. And so that became, that was a big realization to me that these are the kinds of people that I need to work with. Um, and so I just started getting more and more clear. And I remember sitting down one day and like literally writing out a description of my perfect person like who is my dream client and not just saying and I think this is a mistake a lot of people make they're like oh well obviously I target women between the ages of 25 and 35 and it's it's like what does that even mean you know it's like a checkbox that they're like and what I do is check 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 like this one and this yeah and that's yeah yeah but nobody connects to that you know like when people look on social media today there is so much noise everyone and their mother is posting their offer is posting so um, if you really want to, to, to make people stop as they're scrolling, you have to be speaking to that one person so clearly that they're like, this is the sign I've been looking for. This is the person I've been looking for. And so I literally, this is like so creepy. I went to Google and I found like a random stock photo of some woman and I'm like, this is Michelle. 
And I like put her on my vision I board. I love how stalkery you are. <laughs> so I like, so I you should all be warned. So we got the photo. And then I was like, who is Michelle? And not even just writing like, what is her age? What is her business? Where is she in the world? But asking really in-depth questions. Like what keeps Michelle up at night? You know, like what's, what's really eating away at her decor? What's really making her feel insecure? Um, what is she really worried about? What brings, what brings her minute to minute joy? What do her days look like? What motivates her in her life? What are her goals? What does her family structure look like? What is she, you know, once I got so clear on not just who she was as like an ideal client, but just who she was as a person and a woman and, then it was so much easier because every single time that, and I still do this this day, that I create any piece of content. So whether it's like a video or a blog post or whatever, I always think like, what would Michelle think? You know, like would Michelle resonate with this? Would Michelle, would this make her feel, um, you know, inspired or educated or, or get her to take action of some sort? So, so that's the best way to start reaching down. It's just getting clear on one, who you buy with. And two, who like on a deep level needs you and what, and what you do. Um, and really getting clear on who that one person is who you're speaking to. Not like a million people, just one person. Everything you create speaks to that one person and you'll be golden. Oh my gosh, I love that. And just so everyone knows, your, your picture might be on her wall as Michelle. <laughs> just like on it Google. Could be, yeah. <laughs> it could be, it hard. might be me. Like you never know, right? <laughs> no, seriously, I'm like, I don't even care. I've had like different coaches who I want to work with. I've had like their pieces mm-hmm. on my vision board. Like they, they'll never know. It. I'll never name names. But it works. I'm all about it. It does. It totally does work. Cause even like I make, I don't know where my phone is, but I make vision boards all this stuff. Not that it matters. Like we're on a podcast, but just yeah. to show you personally, right? <laughs> but anyways, I make vision boards for every single like new season, I guess, where when I feel a little bit stuck or I feel something, it's like, what is the energy in which, and like, obviously like I'm a voice coach. I like really love the energy in which things carry. And so I'm obsessed with like creating well, what is the energy that I want to bring into this next season? It's the same thing. It's like grabbing these pictures that you're like, I want this and this. And it's like, not just, I want to check this off my list for I hit a milestone, but like this energy, like the energy of Michelle is who you're talking to. It's not necessarily like this picture where you're like, I'm not emotionally connected at all. And I'm just going to write content just cause, right? Right. Exactly. Exactly. It for sure. And it also just like, changes the energy in my home in my house you know like if I'm having a bad day and so I have my vision board and then my husband has his vision board here and so whenever we have whatever there's just like negative energy or feeling anxiety or stress or whatever we both go and just like go to the vision board just take it in for a second take a deep breath and like just just getting realigned with those goals that we have completely transforms the vibe of of our house of our day it's like a real game changer so if you guys are not on the vision board train you're missing out yeah, it changes lives. <laughs> it does. Yeah. It you know what's really even crazier? I'll say, so So I think like two years ago, mm-hmm. I'm like really, maybe more so now, I used to really not be into like kind of the woo-woo, new agey, spiritual yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Never really my thing. And so I always kind of laughed at the vision board thing, whatever. And then finally, I had a, a friend in the business space who was like, get over yourself and just do it, Lena. <laughs> so I was like, Fine. So I did it and I put all, almost like in spite, I just put all these like ridiculous things on it that I never thought I would achieve. I'm like, oh yeah, well you think, you know, just put on like all these, all these big brands. I wanted to have partnerships with all this different stuff, all like these wow. numbers I wanted to hit in terms of income. I achieved every single one in one year, except for one thing, which was the lamest thing. It was to like buy a new bicycle. It was like the lamest oh, thing. Yeah, yeah, like- <laughs> everything else got achieved. And I, after that, I was like, I'm a believer. I drank the Kool-Aid. I'm a believer. I love it. Yeah. Oh my gosh. That's so amazing. That's incredible. So if someone's going through 
something like right now, would you like recommend just like get your stuff, do a vision board, focus on like focus on the forward versus like what's currently happening? Well, I think it's a combination. So they say that like, you know, fear lives in the future, anxiety lives in the past and true Mm -hmm. happiness exists right now. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think that it's a careful balance of like focusing on what's next and also still taking baby steps right now so that you don't get overwhelmed. But yes, I think that if you're just feeling like in a rut, you're feeling stuck, you feel just completely overwhelmed, you really need to turn inward and get clear on what are my goals and and what is the path that I want to take? What's the legacy that I want to leave? Like get clear on the bigger picture stuff and then we'll give you the momentum to go forward. And so vision boards are a really big part of that for me. Um, journaling, like even just in the morning, what I try to do, because I think as we sleep, our brains like build up so much shit that we often wake up with a lot of anxiety and like, oh my God, we want to rush. We suddenly have to do this thing and this thing and I'm worried about this plan and whatever. Literally just like dump it all into a notebook. It doesn't have to make sense. Just like scribble shit, get it out of your brain. And that immediately is going to make you feel lighter and more ready for the day. And I think also starting the day with even, even if you're not a meditator, like one minute of meditation will just provide so much relaxation and like confidence in yourself for the day and focus. Um, Whether that's one minute of just like being in silence and turning off your brain or whether it's a guided meditation, like literally on YouTube, go type in like five minute meditations, you know, get into the habit of doing it. Like those three things will kind of um, reboot your system, I think, and get you back on that. I love that. And even with meditation, it's like, it doesn't have to be like, Oh, like, like sitting in this like very like Zen garden. Like for me, it's definitely like when people are starting meditation or starting breath work, cause I do a lot of breath work. Right. I'm just like, put your hand. Like I was, cause I used to teach, teach kids. So all my things are like very like kid friendly, but anyway, yeah. like put your thumb in your belly button, let your hand fall down and like, just breathe into your hand for 10 seconds, 10 breaths. And you're welcome. Like it'll change your life. Like just wow. that, just that simple act of like put your thing and put your thumb in your belly button and let your hand fall down. And then you're automatically at, which is like your pelvic bowl. If you want to like get really specific there, but <laughs> I just call it like your lower belly <laughs> and you just like breathe into that space and like literally just have like focus on your breath, pushing your hand away for 10 seconds, 10 breaths. And like, it'll change your entire vibe. It'll change your entire life. Like it's, it doesn't have to be this crazy thing, but I love what you said about taking whatever was in your brain. Cause I feel like, yeah, our, our brains process things. So if you have a lot of anxiety, even if you kind of release it before bed, you might still be processing yeah. it while you're sleeping. And then you'll wake up with it again. And you're like, ah, I thought I got rid of this. <laughs> so just exactly. it out is so good. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. I love that belly button trick. I'm totally going to try that tomorrow. Do it and think of me every time. <laughs> Just be like, Oh, I'm going to think of daddy. Oh my God. I love that. Amazing. <laughs> so what is one thing if you, if you were on stage and you had a mic to the entire world, what would be like the one thing that you just wanted to share with your humans? Oh my God. This is, these questions are always so hard. Cause like, I would say a million things. I talk a lot. I have a lot to say, you know? <laughs> Um, <laughs> I, love that I have a lot to say. That's like that. What's, what's that one meme where it's like, I am not a rider die chick. I have a lot of questions. Like, where are we going? Yeah. Like, I want to know, like, are we stopping for food all the way? Like, this is so me. <laughs> me too. Yeah. I was like, I have a lot of questions. Like, what do you want me to specifically to talk about? Like, I can talk about anything. That is so funny. That is so funny. Yeah. Which yeah, is okay. why we get along so great though, because I I, like instantly I was like, let's do a pre-podcast interview within five seconds. <laughs> I'm like, all right. So I'm just going to send you the link to book a full scale interview. Like I've already, I've already in love. It's fine. We're good. Perfect match. Perfect yeah, match. Perfect Amazing. Match. 
Yeah. Amazing. Um, oh, wow. One thing that I would say to my people um, right now, what I always like to say is like whenever you're wondering what's really possible for you, um, and if you're wondering if what you're trying to achieve, what, if you can actually do it and what's that timeline going to look like, and we kind of get overwhelmed and caught up. And then because we get so overwhelmed by worrying about that long timeline, we get overwhelmed and it prevents us from taking the action necessary in order to succeed, you know? Yeah. Um, and so what I always like to say, and, and because of that, because people get overwhelmed and they don't want to take action, people are so fearful of like, well, if I did take action, that's such a big risk. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't know. Like, what if I screw up? What if I waste money? What if I embarrass myself? Whatever, whatever, whatever. But my real question to you guys and what people never compare that to is what's the risk of staying where you are right now, right? Like that's mm-hmm. what people never compare it to. Can you really continue on this path of not living a life on your terms, of not living the kind of lifestyle that you want, of not making the money that you want to make? What's the risk of that, okay? And, and so when you really start thinking about that, not only is it going to inspire you to take action, but something else that I just like to include there is, always think about your future self and try to make decisions from the perspective of your future self. So if you imagine where you are five years from now, and maybe you're like falling out on a yacht somewhere mm-hmm. in like wherever the Maldives and you're making $5 million a year and you have this amazing, you know, super heart centered business and you're transforming the lives of thousands, like what kind of confidence and ambition and, um, and drive to take action would you have then? Right. And if you can take that mindset and really channel it to who you are today, you're going to make such better decisions. You're going to make more powerful decisions because if you keep making decisions from who you are right now, how are you supposed to become who you want to become? Mm. So really try to like internalize that mindset of your future self and make decisions and take action from that perspective instead of the one that you're in today. Oh, I love it. That was so good. Well, thank you so much. This is such a beautiful conversation. I know. We should do this more often. Right? We should. (laughs) This is beautiful. Well, thank you so much for being on the show. I'm going to let everyone, all the listeners go right now, but thank you so much. I hope everyone freaking loved you because I love you and we'll put all your information below so people can just like creep it. They can creep the shit out of you. They can stalk you. They they can put your your face up on their vision board. (laughs) I would be so honored. I just want to say if somebody ever tells me your face is on my vision board, I'll be like, that's the nicest thing anyone's ever said to me. (laughs) Yeah. If anyone's going to put her face on your vision board, please send photos. photos. (laughs) Oh yeah. Evidence. I love it. Okay. Well, thank you so much. Thank you so much. This was amazing. We'll talk soon. I hope you love, love, loved that episode. You want to come hang out with me a little bit more and maybe talk some more leadership, love, and unfiltered voice, then you can go ahead and find me on social media at Danny Driuso. And I would love for you to come join me in my private Facebook community. This is where the conversation continues, okay? So I'm always in there giving you guys live trainings and information and just making sure that you guys are fully supported in your business life and leadership. Okay. It's a totally free Facebook community and you can find the link below in the show notes to come join me there. And I would love, love, love for you guys to leave me a review if you feel so moved to and let me know how you are loving these episodes. Okay. And maybe who you want to see on next time. Thanks for tuning in to the Unleash Your Voice podcast and go be bright, be bold, and be you.